It's great to be here with you today on our podcast, His Heartbeat, a ministry of Crown of Beauty International, where your questions about life's challenges are explored through God's Word so He can renew and restore us in the truth of His love. His Heartbeat for you. Let's get started. Here's our host and good friend, Sue Coral. Welcome back, everybody, to His Heartbeat, and this is a special week. We're ending up our series on being fully devoted to God. We've had six episodes already, so if you haven't heard them, it's really helpful to go back and listen to those and focus on what it really means to be fully given to Christ, to be fully devoted to Him, because that's what we want. We want to be completely His. And I have several special guests who came on and talked about that topic. And I'd like to finish up this series being the speaker of the day, (laughs) going through a message that I actually just gave in Lebanon for the Lebanese full-time Christian workers that are involved with Crown of Beauty International. And the title of this message is called A Heart for God and for Ministry. So before I dive into that, I just want to tell you that next week we're going to start a new summer series called the Summer Blitz. And each week we're going to be looking at holistic health, a lot of things about our bodies, about health, about healthy ways to eat, exercise, just overall health, mental health, emotional health, physical health. So Super excited for this summer. We all are wanting to be healthy this summer that we can go on vacation, have lots of energy and feel good about the clothes that we're wearing, even bathing suits. (laughs) So part of walking with God is not just our spiritual life, but also our physical, emotional and and mental life as well. So we're going to finish up today's series of being fully devoted to God diving into John 21. And this is the part where Jesus has already been resurrected and he's now already appeared to Mary and to most of the disciples and then to Thomas. And now he's going to make an appearance with Peter. And so we go into this chapter in John 21 And the guys decide to go out fishing, which is very interesting because here they are going back into their old way of life. So not only did Peter, but several of the guys joined him, Thomas, Nathaniel, and two other disciples came along and they went out fishing and they caught nothing. (laughs) So they came back and they weren't quite into shore and they they see Jesus there and he shouts out to them throw your net out to the other side of the boat and to the right side of the boat and you'll find some fish and they're thinking we've been fishing all night and we found nothing but okay we'll obey and so Peter says okay he realizes it's the Lord and so he obeys And they throw out the net, and sure enough, they pull up this massive amount of fish. In fact, interestingly, the Bible specifically says that they pull up 153 fish. Well, I found that a little 
unusual that the scripture would mention it and that the disciples actually counted or else we wouldn't have an account of that. And what I discovered in the research is that there's actually 153 species of fish in the Sea of Galilee, which means that most likely Jesus put in that net a different fish from each species, one fish from each species, which is crazy. So normally when you bring up a net of fish, they come in schools and they you might get maybe three or four kinds at the most or possibly just one. But the disciples are looking at these fish and they're seeing they're all different. And that just never happens. And it just accentuates the fact that it's a miracle that they couldn't think, well, it's just a coincidence, which I don't think they would anyway, because Jesus told them to put it on the right side and they pull up all these fish. But all the more they realize it is a miracle of God. But I think it goes even further to possibly be symbolic of Jesus saying that when you go out now to be fishers of men, that you will fish for every tribe, tongue, and nation, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, because he was really sending them out to all people, not only Jews, but to Gentiles, not only men, but to women too. And so this, whether they caught the symbolism of that or not, I don't know. It is interesting that what we're going to dive into now is the discourse that Jesus has with Peter. And so here he is back at the beach, right where, you know, by the Sea of Galilee, right where he was first called to the ministry. If you remember, Jesus went to Peter and a couple of them, and he said, you know, he called them to follow me. And at that time, they did. They just followed him. But and and they said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And now here he is again, calling out to Peter and he's going to tell him to follow him into a life of ministry. So then we go into this discourse between the two of them. And it's really interesting because three times Jesus says the same thing. Peter, do you love me? But actually, if we dig back into the original Greek language, we discovered that two times he used one form of the word and one time a different form of the word love. So two times he uses the form of the, the word that we pronounce agape. I think it's actually agapal, but we'll, or agapao. It's hard to say agapao. So we'll just say agape because that's what we're used to hearing. So two times he says that. And the meaning of the word, so, so Peter, do you agape me? The meaning of the word is, if you were to look up the Greek, what somebody is understanding from the Greek is is the idea of to love deeply, affectionate reverence with prompt obedience or unselfish, unconditional love. And so he says to him, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me with a love that only God can give? So when we love unconditionally, we really need to do that through the power of God. And each time Peter answers, no, Lord, I phileo you. 
Well, after twice, when he answers, you know, differently than what Jesus asked, you agape me, no, I phileo you, which phileo has more the meaning of a friend to treat affectionately. It's a conditional love, a reciprocal love. I give to you. If, when you give to me, I'll give back to you kind of idea. So the third time when when the Lord says, do you love me? He That time he says, Peter, do you phileo me? He joins in. <laughs> And so a bunch of us were discussing this, and some of us seem to think, you know, no one knows for sure what was going on when Jesus did that. But I was thinking about how Jesus is so gracious and kind that, you know, he knows what we can give. And it's like him saying, hey, Sue, will you go overseas? Will you move over to this really difficult place to live. You know, I know you just came back a few years ago from Asia, but I want you to go back. And and I'm like, oh, Lord, I want to go wherever you want me to go. But I don't know if I'm ready to go back to learn a whole new language, et cetera, at my age. And, and the Lord says, okay, Sue, but I want you to serve me wholeheartedly right here. And so it's like that idea. He knows what uh, Peter can give. And he says, yes, Peter, I'm asking you, do you love me? Do you flail me then? And he says, yes, Lord, you know, I do. Now, his Jesus's response when he says, yes, I flail you, is he then goes on to say to feed, care, and tend for my sheep. But again, it it varies in how he says this. So the first point, do you love me? He says, feed my lambs. And the third time when he says it, he also uses the word lambs. But what is interesting, that word in the Greek is bosco, which is referring to feeding the sheep. It's referring to help the sheep to graze And so metaphorically, really, what Jesus is saying is, are you willing to be a teacher of the things that I have taught you to promote in every way the spiritual welfare of the members of the body of Christ, of the church? And so he's he's really calling him to teach others and to lead the church in this way. Now, the second time, that he says, after he says, do you love me? And he says, I love you. You know, I love you. Then that time, he uses a different Greek word for mano, which uh, not only carries the meaning of feed, but it also has a concept of governing or rule or supervise. And so we catch from this that he's not only asking him to be a teacher, to teach the things Jesus had taught him, but that he's actually going to govern the church, which is interesting. And that's like what a pastor's role does or an apostle's role did, is they really governed over, the apostles really governed over several churches. There were several pastors under them. And so he's calling Peter to that. I also found it interesting that, you know, sometimes 
the word Jesus spoke in Aramaic usually to the disciples. And so whether he used Greek or Aramaic, we're not sure. But each time in the the latter time, the second and third time, if he used the Aramaic there, he was using the word probation, which is for any four-footed animal. And it's also used in the Aramaic for a female animal, which could very well mean that Jesus was saying, feed my sheep, meaning feed all people, right? Jews and Gentiles, and include men and women, because, you know, at that time, women didn't enter into the temple, right? They sat on the outside. They were separated. But now we know Jesus, his followers, <laughs> women went with him. And and there were men and women followers, and women were learning as well. And so this is what Peter is called to do. So it is interesting to see that as Jesus is calling Peter to first love him, you know, he's saying, do you love me? And then it is followed by, then go serve others right? Go serve me. Go teach or feed and tend for the tend the sheep. And the same thing's true for us. We really should not get out there and do ministry in our own strength. And we shouldn't do it for selfish reasons. That's why he's like, do you love me? Okay, do this out of my love. Be so filled up, so saturated with my love that you're going to love people in your ministry. You're going to love people to Jesus Christ. You're When you serve, you're going to serve it out of love, not out of duty, not out of financial gain, not so that you can feel powerful, so that you can feel you're significant or important or so others will look up to you. No, I want you to serve me out of an overflow of the love that I have for you and thus you have for me. So our calling is very clear. It's very specific and simple. And we see this as we move into the latter verses, um, 18 through 22. And he says this, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. This was to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. And so he's letting Peter know there's going to be a cost. And there is a cost. Let's be honest. Serving God is amazing. It I have found over the years, and I'm so grateful for this, that because I serve God, it keeps me sharp. <laughs> it keeps me spending time in the word. It keeps me growing. I'm constantly preparing scriptures to teach others, and therefore I'm growing. I'm in fellowship a lot. You know, I. it's just a wonderful thing that when we serve God, we are also able to grow in the Lord. But it also can be exhausting. It can be difficult. 
It can be very much full of spiritual warfare. The enemy doesn't like us serving God. And so he will come at us. He will come at our families, at our health, anything he can get our minds. And so we need to really be strong in the Lord. We need to have accountability. We need to have other people in our life that we're open and honest with. We need to be in the word and prayer and worship every day so that we're strong and we need to be alert. That's what Peter talks about too. Later, like be alert for the enemies on the prowl like a lion. And so we also need to be thinking each day and asking God to search our heart. Is there any sin? And is there any lies I'm believing? Is there any thoughts that aren't from you that I'm buying into? And so he's he is warning Peter here. You know, he's letting him know that you're going to serve me. You're going to live to be old, <laughs> but that you will eventually be martyred. But then he says to him, follow me. So it's interesting because at that point, Peter turns and he looks at the other disciple, particularly, specifically the disciple John, and he says to him, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answers, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. So he rebukes him. And so he's basically saying, I don't want you focusing on what other people are doing. I want you to focus on me and on what I am calling you to. And we get caught up in that trap, especially if we're in leadership or in some kind of serving role. Let's say, you know, you're doing a service in the church and the pastor asks you to, you know, be a, what do you call that? Like a, a helper of one of the Sunday school classes. And you say, oh, great. Yeah. And then one of your good friends who maybe she's even a younger Christian and she is asked to be the leader of that class. <laughs> and so you look and, and you want to say to the Lord, well, excuse me, uh, how about her? I've been in this church much longer. I've been serving in children's ministry much longer, or adult ministry much longer. And Jesus is saying, what is that to you? I want you to follow me in the calling I have given you. Now, I know for me, it's pretty tempting. You know, I have, you know, a relatively large ministry and it's an international ministry, but it's really easy to look at the, the Beth Moores and, and other people like that and think, wow, they have this huge following, right? Or to look at somebody else who is getting massive donations for their ministry and just go, oh, it's been so hard raising funds for our nonprofit, Crown of Beauty International. And the Lord's like, what is that to you? You look to me and I will satisfy you. I will provide for you. I have called you and I will give you all that you need, but you need to do what I have called you to and not look to others. So it's just a beautiful thing that he does right here. And so I wanted to take this time to, to share this message with you and, and think about in your own life, what's motivating you to do what you do. And I hope you're motivated to serve the Lord, but it needs to come out of an overflow of realizing that, that God loves you. Christ loves you. 
unconditionally. He pours out his love to you and wants to pour out his love to you every day. He wants you to spend time with him and receive that love so that when you go out, you can agape love other people because it's Christ's love coming out of you, not just a conditional phileo love. And also that we're not to look to the left or the right, but just to look to Christ and do what he calls us to do. And then he will call us to love others and to care for them. And we need to keep our motivation pure. So I hope this message was timely for you and encouraging. God really has a great adventure for us when we surrender to him, as we've been learning about the last several weeks, when we give our whole heart, our whole life to him, to serve him then he will he will bless us. He will bless us. He'll give us the energy, the provision, the strength, and bring many other blessings, beautiful friendships. He'll help us to grow close to him, and we will be filled with the most awesome love of all. All right, you have a great week, and come on back next week for the Summer Blitz. Thank you for being a part of our community and tuning in. We would love to hear from you. Submit your own questions or comment on today's episode on the Crown of Beauty International Facebook group or email us at crownofbeautyinternational at gmail.com. Push that subscribe button and leave us a review. Come back next Thursday as we go deeper into his heartbeat.